0: So last year, we decided that we were going to incorporate kids. Matter of fact, if you remember last year, it was like 28 degrees outside, and so there were no outside activities. And we were like, we got to figure out something to incorporate kids. And it was a lot of fun. And so they convinced me around here at Stone Point to do it again this year. Uh, And so we're going to try this crazy wild idea of incorporating kiddos. And so kiddos, if you are in the room, I got something for you, but you got to come up here and hang out with Pastor B for just a second. So y'all come on up here. You can come up both sides, and we're just going to kind of hang out for just a few moments. Go ahead. If you're a grandparent, you're going to just shove them out the aisle like we're going to take care of them. Okay, here we go. So, look, we're just going to sit right here. We're going to sit right here. And I'm going to sit this way because they're really scary out there, aren't they? Look at them. You see them? Yes. So, like, if I don't have to look that away, then you all have to look at them. Here, you all come on here. You all come in this way a little bit. Come in this way a little bit. You all are too far out there. Like, it's yeah, come on this way right here. Here, you all come this way a little bit. There you go. Oh. Hey, so real quick. Is anybody excited for Christmas? You're super excited? Okay, so anybody going to get a bag of coal this Christmas? You think, Cooper, you think you're going to get a bag of coal? You're on Santa's naughty list? Okay, no? Um, I I probably live there, so that's probably what I'm getting. That's okay, though, because it's not about any of that anyway, right? It's about who? Jesus. There you go. So let me ask you all a question. If I were to pull this out of my pocket, you think you all know what it is? You all want to guess? Come on, what? Were you here the first service? I you, you saw you, so you had your eyes open during the prayer. <laughs> Hold on, what? Yeah, is. You did. There we go. There's some truth right there. There's, there's and there's a bucket of candy. I might have gave it away. Yeah. No, I think what we gave it away is y'all's eyes were open during the prayer. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Oopsies. Oopsies. Yeah. Uh huh. So what? What is this right here? A candy cane. Yes. Y- y'all like candy canes? Yay. Okay. So here's a quick question. Do you like candy canes or chocolate better? Chocolate. 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 Candy cane. Anybody like candy canes that are better? One person. There we go. Two, three, four, five. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Let me ask y'all. Do you like candy canes or chocolate better? Chocolate. Any, any candy cane people back there? There's a couple. Okay, awesome. We'll get you all candy cane at the end. There we go. Okay, so listen, so when you look at this candy cane, what it, like what do you see? Is there anything that kind of stands out to you? It, Aiden. It looks like the shepherd's hook. It looks like a shepherd's hook. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really smart. Hold on. What show me. Yeah. That that is not a J. A J. Oh, there's a J. That's a J. Y'all see the J? Wow, that's super clever. Anything else? As red stripes? Red stripes. It what does that mean? Right. It, looks like Jesus blood. It, it looks like Jesus' blood, the red stripes. Wow. David? Um, so white, means that he made us pure. white means he made us pure. Wow. Anderson? It, has a pattern. it does have a pattern. Matter of fact, did you know that the Bible has a pattern too? Yes. What? Tell me about it. I'm not going to teach y'all. Y'all teaching me. Uh, y'all got the pattern, anybody? You just know it has one. Okay. Well, here's the deal. So when you, when you have a candy cane, I actually like this. Hold on, before we talk anymore. Do y'all know what a candy cane's favorite Christmas song is? Candy cane rock. Candy cane rock that's pretty good. Silent bite. What? <laughs> yeah, not silent night, but silent bite. You all you don't like it? I need to throw that one away. Don't, do, don't use it again. Do y'all agree? Like it needs to go in the trash? Wow, this is a tough audience. Let's just pray and be done. Let's just pray and be done. I'm, y'all are y'all being too hard on me. Do y'all want to continue? Okay, well if you're gonna wrap this up, you gotta pray for us. You, you said we want to be done, so we then you need to pray for us so we can be done. Okay, so I can keep going? Keep going. Thank you, Aiden. Okay, so here we go. Listen, so this candy cane, there's four things I do want you to see. Y'all have already mentioned them. But when you think about a candy cane, these are four things that you can remember. So when you I'm gonna give you five. I'm gonna give you one extra one. When when you when you see this, you certainly do see the J. Okay? And it just is a reminder that it is about Jesus. But not only do you see the J, but we heard, as Mr. Patsky said, that it's the shepherd's hook. It's a reminder. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. But did y'all know that when the angel appeared to tell about the good news of Jesus, do you know who the angel went to first? The shepherds. To the shepherds. And the reason why, I think, is because the shepherds were giving an opportunity to see the Lamb of God, who the one who would take away the sins of the world. He was the one who was perfect in every way, who never sinned, and he willingly went and he died on the cross, and he shed his blood. Now, why did he shed his blood? To make us pure. Make us pure. And the only way that he could make us pure is if he was first pure as well. When you think about Jesus, do you think about someone who's pure? We should, right? Because he is the spotless lamb of God, and he's the one who takes away the sin of the world. Now, here in a second, when you go back to your seats, you're going to be able to enjoy candy cane. There's a coloring page and some crayons and stuff for you to enjoy. In just a second, we're going to go both directions, and we'll have people there to help you get one or two of them, Okay? But listen, when you go to, to eat your candy cane, what's interesting is I like to kind of break mine in half because it's easier. Because then that way I can kind of use the wrapper. Does it make sense? And then you mm-hmm. Yeah, I stuck on it. That's right. It's really good. It's and some I diamond never, pants, yep. On mm-hmm. Yeah, you make a sharp spear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I did. That's right. I, that's what I did when I I agree. That's... All the things. What's up, Tristan? Mm-hmm. Hold, on, hold on. Tristan's telling us something because the candy cane spear is really awesome. And he said, you know what the spear reminds me of? What? The sure that's right. Do you remember in the, in the Eastern narrative, they thrust a spear through Jesus' side? See, here's the deal. When you enjoy candy cane, you can remember that it's a... A a J, and you can remember that it's a shepherd's hook, and you can remember that it reminds you of blood and purity. But One of the other things, when you break a candy cane, you should remind yourself that Jesus' body was broken and given for us. And so there's a lot to remind us of in a simple piece of candy at Christmas. But the Christmas is indeed about the good news. And so there's a lot of things you're looking forward to, right, in the next couple of days and hours ahead. But don't forget that Jesus is the center of it all. Okay we're gonna to pray together, but when we pray oftentimes at our house or in other times when I got kiddos around or adults who have a hard time paying attention to, here's what I like to do. I like to pray and then we clap and we do it on three. So we'll go one, two, three, and then we're gonna to clap together and then we're gonna pray. Cool. y'all got it. Adults, y'all think y'all gonna enjoy- y'all got it. Okay, here we go. One. Hold on real quick. Let me just also say this. When we clap, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. So no cheating. You got me? Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your life. And we thank you that you shed your blood so that we could become pure. That you, we have forgiveness of sin through your grace. And this Christmas, I pray that you would help us to remember that. We love you. And we thank you for the precious promises we have through your son, Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so y'all can hop up and there's candy canes for you to enjoy as you head back to your seats. So I was uh, recently at a retail store within 10 miles of here. And uh, we were doing some kind of last-minute stuff, and, you know, I like candy at Christmas, so I figured my kiddos' teachers would like candy at Christmas as well. And so my daughter uh, was like, hey, Dad, let's go, and, like, I need to get some stuff. And so we went shopping for her teachers and specifically some candy. Um, And she was picking it all out, and as we were kind of moving to the checkout line, I heard two people in the retail store who worked at this particular store kind of grumbling and complaining a little bit about Christmas. (laughs) In which, if you know me at all, I I like to insert myself into awkward conversations. And so at this point, I'm like, hold on, talk to me real quick. Because I'm like, I think I hear you complaining about Christmas. And which, one of the workers responded, yes, if you've been in retail at all, any of your life, for very long, you struggle to celebrate Christmas. And I'm like, what? Like, you struggle to enjoy Christmas? Like, how? Like, who doesn't love Christmas, right? And then she goes on to say, well, listen, if you're new to retail, you don't know any better, but I've been in retail so long that Christmas is not what you're enjoying. And I said, well, explain it to me. And she said, well, I've been in retail so long that while you're enjoying Christmas, I'm already moved on to Easter. And in which I go, well, that's not a problem. And the reason why is because if you think about it for a moment, you cannot have Easter without Christmas. And you cannot have Christmas without Easter. They're so interwoven that it's actually okay to celebrate both at the same time. So, as I had wrapped up my stuff, checked out, I happily walked out the door, then popped my head back in and said, Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas and Happy Easter. And in which they replied, Happy Easter. Now, the reason that's important is because when I think about the good news of Christmas or the good news of the gospel, the very things that our friends, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote about, I see the gospel as a linear picture. Matter of fact, I think about the gospel in terms of a day. Matter of fact, I think as the day dawns, it reminds me of the setting in Bethlehem in which the Christ child is born. And as the day draws to an end, I cannot help but think as the setting of the sun reminds us of the death and the burial and the anticipation of a whole new day. See, when I think about the gospel, I see how the birth of Christ is certainly important as the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. I see it in a linear way in my mind. And the reason that's important is because I cannot disconnect the two. In which we think about Christmas, I think it's easily the anticipation of the Christ child. We think about the birth of Jesus. Matter of fact, we're teaching our kiddos, we're talking about the Christmas cane, uh, Christmas. Candy cane, and we're talking about red and white, and we know that Jesus came, and that's what we celebrate. But the question I would ask you is have you ever thought about Jesus' birth? And perhaps maybe the most essential aspect of Jesus' birth that you and I might read about, but spend very time, very little time thinking about. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you a part of the narrative. There's a guy named Luke, he was a physician who was a great historian. And he wrote about the narrative of Jesus' birth. But he also gives us the events that led up to it. And in Luke chapter 1, I want you to see what Luke, the great historian, writes about. And he says this in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, he says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man you should underline that or perhaps put that in your mind, whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I can't help disconnect. I can't disconnect the thought of an angel appearing to this young woman and then saying, greetings, O favored one. And when you see an angel, I don't know about you, but is it I don't know how how you respond in terms, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Am I about to receive judgment? Is it anticipation? Is it good news? What is it? It's interesting because she has a similar response. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. So here it is. He appears, greetings, O favored one, and she's greatly troubled. And she tries to discern what sort of greeting this might be, which I presume to believe I might would do the same. She goes on, as the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. In verse 27, she's a virgin betrothed to a man. In verse 27, she's a virgin whose name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary. And she will conceive in her womb and she will bear a son named Jesus. The angel goes on and says, this Jesus will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. But then Mary asked the angel a very important question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, let me ask you a question. Any life-giving thing receives life when seeds come together. Would you agree? a matter of fact, you and I are sitting here today, whether young or old, because two seeds at the appropriate time came together. And when you have two seeds that come together, there's life that is born. And what Mary is saying is, how will this be? Because there's not two seeds coming together. Then the angel answers, well, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Which begs the question, how can this young boy named Jesus, the Messiah that's been promised for so many years become holy? Or how could he be the Son of God? Because what's interesting is, is you need to note that it's not possible for Jesus to be called holy, if his mother is indeed not also the Virgin Mary. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus tries to explain it to a religious leader in the day uh, in the nation of Israel. This religious leader's name was Nicodemus. And John, the beloved disciple, gives us an account of an interaction between Jesus later in his ministry and this guy, a religious leader in Israel named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It was interesting in John chapter 3, there's a conversation, Nicodemus is wondering, well, how can I, a man, have eternal life? In which Jesus says these words in John chapter 3, verses 3 and following. Jesus answers him and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And which we have maybe heard that before, like you need to be born again. Apparently, this is Nicodemus' first interaction with these words, be born again, because you see his response in which when we read it, we should kind of respond a little bit with laughter or a little bit of perplexity because this is what he says. Well, how can a man be born when he is old? So you're asking me to enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? So this is Nicodemus, a religious leader in the nation of Israel is asking Jesus, so you're telling me that even at my age old, I need to go be born again? I need to go back into my mother's womb and be like reconceived? In which I cannot help but think that Jesus had to have chuckled a little bit. Like, I mean, for me, like I'd have to chuckle. I look across the room and there's like, there's nurses in here. And like, could you imagine somebody that's far older than you asking you, like, so I go back to my mother's womb and just start this thing all over again? Like, what would like you you are deranged. You are a madman. You are out of your mind. Well, that was the question. What then Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And here's what Jesus is trying to teach. And this is why the virgin birth is so essential. Here it is. Lean in with me. When two seeds come together, Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus see that they are born of natural flesh. And if anything is born of natural flesh, when a mom or dad seed come together, when something is born, there is new life. You also have death. New life in the flesh instantly brings death. It brings condemnation. It brings separation. It brings pain. It brings hostility. Even as we celebrate a new child being born, the reality is not too long that that child exemplifies life in the flesh. Have you ever seen a baby steal a bottle? Uh, rip off a pacifier from someone nearby? Um, Have you ever remembered just how you interacted as a child when somebody took something from you? Some of you in this room were known as the biters. You know what I mean? You sunk your claws in, you sunk your teeth in. See, that is the natural response of mankind. And the reason why is that although there's life, when you have life in the flesh, you always have death that follows. And the reason why is because you and I are sinners. And see, when we think about Christmas, we need to understand that the virgin birth is incredibly important, not just because of who we are, but it reveals a sinless savior. See, the very biggest key, if I were to give you two things today, number one is that the virgin birth gives us a sinless savior. The only reason he could be holy is if he's not born of natural seed. He had no physical father. He only had a spiritual one. And while God came near, he did not come near in a natural way. He came in a supernatural way. And while he came to identify with us, he certainly couldn't identify with us in the flesh from the sinful perspective. Now, you might not think, well, this matters at all. I will tell you, there was a pastor probably a decade ago, who was a very prominent pastor in the U.S., and he basically said, I can neither confirm nor deny that the virgin birth occurred, and when I have to deal with difficult things, I just push them aside and I don't deal with them at all. Listen, I'll tell you that Christmas is only possible and it's only worth celebrating if you believe in a sinless Savior, one who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the promise of God through a young woman who is a virgin named Mary. Why is that important? Because if you have a sinless Savior, you don't have hopeless sinners. And Christmas reminds us that there is hope for sinners. Anybody in here ever sinned before? Go ahead, raise your hand. I can see you. Like it's not a large room. I can see you. If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied, which means you're sinned. you just there. There you go. We got you. When you think about this, I can't help think about a famous passage that Paul wrote in Romans 5. Now in Romans 5, what's interesting is that Paul writes about this very issue about sin and about the flesh. In Romans chapter five, verse 12, this is what he says. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. What he does here is he does a throwback. And he goes, listen, our problem is not merely that we were born in the flesh and we're sinful. He goes, our problem actually goes further back. So just hypothetical, let's say that you had a really good year. Let's say that you didn't find yourself on the naughty list. You were more generous than you've been in previous years. You were more kind with your words than you've been in previous years. Matter of fact, you might even be feeling good about yourself. Like you might look at yourself and go, I'm just feeling really righteous this year. Like I just kind of had it all together. Me and God are closer than we've ever been. The question is, Even if hypothetically you've had the best year ever, or perhaps even in your mind, I've not really ever sinned. I did have a nine-year-old tell me that one time. I've never sinned. The question is, what's your problem? The problem is, is that because you're born of the flesh, it didn't matter how much you've sinned. There is one who's already sinned on your behalf, and his name was Adam, and his sin has spiraled downhill. And you might not think that you've ever thought, said, or done anything. Actually, we don't think that at all, do we? Because the reality is we're born of flesh. And because we're born of flesh, sin is spread like a disease and a curse to all men. But as Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 5, Paul also says, here's the good news. That while you're cursed because of Adam and Eve, there's hope. In someone else. And this is what he says in Romans 5, beginning in verse 15. He says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, which abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, Adam. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of the grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Because of the virgin birth and the one who came to live among us, Jesus, who, though he was not born naturally, but supernaturally, he still understood hunger and pain and thirst and weakness and tiring. He understood sorrow and tears. He knew temptation, yet he never gave in. Because of all the ways he identified with us, he gave us hope. In Adam, we all die. And in Jesus Christ, we can all live. Paul says that it's simply a belief in our heart and a confession with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we have salvation and hope at Christmas. It's amazing that in Romans 5, he says that in Adam, we all have a curse, but in Christ, we have a free gift. See, the free gift is that Jesus came. And friends, as you celebrate Christmas, Don't disconnect the virgin birth and the sinless life from the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. See, it is by his stripes that we are healed. And it may not be physical healing that we enjoy, but certainly it is spiritual. It is because of Jesus' death and his sacrifice that you and I can have a very merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together and we praise you for Jesus, the one who was perfect in every way, who came to live among us, who identified with us, yet was born of a virgin. We thank you, Lord, that though he was born in this world, he was not born of the world and he wasn't born through the world. He wasn't born of natural descent or natural seed that bring death But he was born of a supernatural promise from God of the Holy Spirit. And as you descended upon this young woman named Mary, you brought the world the greatest gift we could ever receive. Lord, I pray that in these next few hours and days, that we do not distort or confuse what the greatest gift should mean in our lives. Would you help us to remember that you are the light of the world and we too should be like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.